Hi, this is Carol Miller back again from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York with a taste of real, local British radio. Our friends Alan Thompson and Nigel Pierce, veteran presenters, interview a lot of interesting people. Here, Nigel is speaking with James Warren from the Corgis. Their beautiful song, Everybody's Gotta Learn Sometime, has been covered by artists worldwide, and the reformed Corgis, an eight-piece band, are touring the UK. We'll hear all about it in this UK radio podcast. Well, greetings to you today, teen dreamers in Groove Britain. This is Nigel Pearce opening up another musical jukebox of memories. And if you're thinking that's a song you haven't heard for a long, long time, you're correct. That's the beautiful sound of the Corgis from 1976-77, and I just can't help it. And I've played that for a particular reason, because I'm very pleased to have on the line for a future radio Swindon 105.5 exclusive, James Warren from said band The Corgis. Good morning to you, James. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm very well, yeah, very you s- well. You sound in fine fettle, I have to admit that. You really oh. do sound in fine fettle, so uh, more power to your elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it comes across as a little bit of hero worship from a seasoned oh. pro- professional to you, please forgive me, because oh. uh, I've been a Corgis fan since, since the day, blah, 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 you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. How did it feel hearing that song again? Because that's not one that did too particularly well for you, sadly to say. I know, it's strange, uh, doubly strange in fact, because the version you played was not the original version, it was like a remix thingy that we did, and we sort of, you know, tarted it up a bit. The actual original version came out on the very first Corgi's album, and it was sort of earmarked as being the follow-up to If I Had You, which was the first bit of success the Corgi's had. And, uh, yeah, but sadly, it didn't, didn't quite come off. But um, it's, it's, it's a nice track, I think. I think it's better than people give it credit for because mm. it's beautifully crafted. I know mm. you said it's a remix, and uh, it's nice to know when somebody such as yourself knows your own music. Um, <laughs> that is so rewarding. Um, but it was a very, very good single. I've still got the original single on the Rialto Gosh. record label with the cover of the two on the domestic bliss in the kitchen with the saucepan. Yeah, and the, I've, I've got it, you see. And I was very fortunate to get a press release, so I've got a couple of photographs that go with it as well. So I was very fortunate. <laughs> and uh, I actually got that after I'd heard If I Had You, but I yeah. got it I got it before I bought If I Had You. I know it's, oh, yeah. I know it's back to front, but there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, But uh, how did it feel now, and listening to that song over 40 years later, did it still stand up to you? I still think it's a good tune. It was written by Andy. I, I started the Corgis with a chap called Andy Davis. We were both in a, a kind of eccentric prog rock band called Stackridge for about 10 years before we started the Corgis. Yep. And the idea behind doing the Corgis was to have a complete break from the sort of prog rock thing of sort of, you know, 12 minute songs full of self indulgence. We thought, why don't we try and just for a change, just write some sort of brief little radio friendly pop songs? Because we both had, or, or had a, a secret love of pop anyway, despite our prog rock sort of yes. uh, roots. And yeah, so that was the, the sort of uh, the, the idea behind the Corgis. And, um, 
And I just can't help. It was one of those things that Andy came up with, along with If I Had You, two brilliant songs. Well, uh, what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, I'd like Mm. to sort of spend as much time as I can with you today because of uh, I want to talk about your past songs and music Mm. and your new tour and everything else. Yeah. So can we listen to If I Had You and then we can talk a little bit about those legendary uh, scenes on top of the pops. Oh, I remember them looking through a black and white screen. (laughs) But uh, let's have um, If I Had You from uh, the Corgis. Being played for you on Future Radio 107.8 in the company of James Warren from the Corgis. Ah, that is so beautiful. Sound of the Corgis from their first uh, recording to make it on Top of the Pops. And I'm sure that James is going to tell us a little bit more about it. But uh, after coming before that last track, James, I think that sound still if I may say so, so fresh. Ah, well, that's very nice to hear. It, the, the artistry, the harmonies that went through that recording um, are exquisite. And I mean, I'm, oh. I've got the headphones here, but I'm still listening in glorious stereo <laughs> uh, in the studio. And it just, it just sends you to, uh, to that place that, hey, you think that's great. And oh. uh, that performance on Top of the Pops, I remember you and your dark glasses and everything else. Tell me, what was it like? I mean, that was the vehicle to get you noticed, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was an amazing experience because being of a, of a certain age, as, as I am, you know, one grew up with Top of the Pops. It was, it was the show, the pop program. So when I was a boy, you know, they, I, I thought, wow, you know, that, that really is where it's at to actually appear on Top of the Pops. And so when we eventually did that in the Corgis, I mean, by that time, how old was I? Late 20s, I suppose. <clears throat> it was just uh, unbelievable that we'd actually sort of, you know, got there at long last, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't help but laugh when I look at myself from those days, but I'm sure everyone's the same, you know, when, when you get to be middle-aged and you look back on the sort of ways, ways you looked when you were in your 20s, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit funny. So, um, yeah, but it it was great fun and, of course, a a dream come true. I think it's a very, very clever record. Um, I still think it's very clever um, because of the work, obviously. You may say it's a pop-friendly tune. It is. But there's a lot of work and craft put into that. Mm, Uh, It it was reminiscent of the late 60s. had a little bit of Beatle twinge and tank twang to it. Plus the Stackeridge. You can hear a little bit of Stackeridge in there with the vocal harmonies. And uh, if I can come, if I can go back to Stackeridge, yeah. you, you said that uh, you'd been there for about ten years. Um, mm. It must have been something that made you fundamentally change, because the British prog rock, heavy rock scene was very vibrant, very colourful, mm. and a major force worldwide. Come sixty-eight, sixty-nine, seventy, and it carried on to seventy-two, seventy-three, before mm. glam rock and things like that. Yeah. What sort of made you feel that you had to get out or have a change? Was it a bit of claustrophobia, or is it just I want to do something different? Well, I think probably the latter more than anything, just wanting to do something different because we'd we'd been sort of playing constantly, really, in Stackridge, sort of touring constantly. And, uh, yeah, maybe it was kind of overkill. Maybe uh, maybe I'd begun to think, oh, my God, you know, 
we've done it, you know, been up and down the country 16 times already, you know, do I really want to do it again? And uh, I suppose by that, you know, uh, I, I'd come to think, well, if we were going to sort of have a, a major commercial breakthrough, it would have happened by now, and it hadn't because we were a bit too kind of diverse for our own good, I think, in Stackridge. We, we didn't have mm. a particular kind of sound like other, I don't know, like Yes or Genesis or other sort of prog rock people you can think of. They had a very definite sound. Stackridge were kind of all over the place, you know. We, we, we didn't want to sort of rest in one particular style. It was very kind of... Uh, well, very diverse, yeah. And as I say, I, I think I, I realized we weren't going to have any kind of breakthrough. And I, I suppose I just got a bit tired of just doing the same kind of thing. And I, I thought, you know, it might, might be good to have a change. And, and by that time, Andy had also sort of grown tired of, of doing the same old thing. And he'd gone to live in London and sort of was making demos with various different people. And he sent me down a couple of his... Uh, demos uh, and that was really the, the birth mm. of, of the corgis because they, they were very pop kind of thing yeah. and i too had been making my own demos in bath where i live and they were very much more pop than stackridge had ever been so we were sort of you know on the same wavelength really so that, that, that's how it all began well, that's a nice it's, it's not it's not a story it's a nice episode um yeah because you went through it yeah and um I've got to ask you the question, whether it, whether it was a tongue-in-cheek Mickey take on the Queen's favourite dogs, I don't know, but how did you get the name? It was. That was exactly it. Yeah, there, there were a couple of things behind the name. Uh, that was one of them. Uh, I, I think initially we thought, uh, let, let's just have a one-word name for a start, not some complicated, you know, three or four-word sort of band name. Let's just have one word. And then we thought, why not have a, a name beginning with a letter that people don't use very much, namely K. I mean, we can only think of craft work now, probably, can't we? Yep. Or cool in a gang, I suppose. Yep. But anyway, you know, at the time, K was a very underused initial letter. So we thought, yeah, that's a good one, K. And then we just went through a list of about, you know, a hundred different ideas as to what name might be sound good with a k as the initial letter and and then we, we also thought you know let's have something typically english as well and we thought of the queen you know and the queen's dogs the corgis let's, let's have a k instead of a c the corgis and, and that was it really yeah it so was. definitely the association with the queen's dogs was definitely there very tongue-in-cheek i think is that i think it served you very well because <laughs> um the name is still instantly recognizable ah good and uh, as soon as Dave, manager, said to me, how would you like to speak to James? I said, yeah, let me have him. I said, I'm a great Corgis fan. So uh -huh. uh, that's how the that's how this match come about. Now, you yeah. briefly mentioned your first album, mm. but the album that I really like was Dumb Waiters. Ah. I thought, again, that was a very, very clever album, and I would like to indulge a little bit because I'd like to play one of the tracks from Side 2. Yeah. Um, that... When I first heard it on the radio, it sounded to me like a psychedelic outtake of a Sergeant Pepper working track. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because there's so much in there. Yeah. Um, and the single that you took from it, obviously I'm now going to give it away, if you know your music, as I know you do, the yeah. song I'm going to play. But I love the album version because, maybe because of the better fidelity recording yeah. than what it is on the single, there's this like electric keyboard plucking that goes through the song that you can't hear on the single. And I was really expecting this single to 
yeah. really do something in America. Ah. I really, really was expecting because I thought it was fantastic. Ooh, but unfortunately, what can it be? I'm excited. And I'm serious about it. And uh, the song still sends me now, and I've got it on the CD in the car. And when I play it, and I've got people in there, they say, what's that? I said, ah, it's the Corgis. I said, that's a personal crusade of mine. I said, I've always loved the song. And I have to admit, when people finish it, they say, yeah, that's, fl that's, that's flipping good, Nigel. That's flipping good. Well, I never. So uh, let's have a listen and let's have your views on this mm. song afterwards. Mm. And then we'll talk a bit about your rebirth and treading on the tour and yeah, going around the boards. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But first, let's listen to this surprise. I have to listen to all of that, James. Um, I, I really do. I feel like what Jeff Emmerich said when he plays that orchestral bit of Abbey Road right at the end. He said, I've got, oh, to, I've wow. got, to, I've got to get every note out Great of that orchestral. Indeed. And I think that that song is exactly the same. I listen to it in the studio here, and it's just filling the air. The, 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 the harmonies, you've got a little bit of Beach Boys, late 60s in there, yep. maybe. And that middle eight reminded me a little bit of a chord shift from Stackridge. Um, oh, yeah, when, sure. you when you dropped in, now maybe I'm being over-technical here at this time <laughs> in the morning, but that's what I feel. I like to think that I know what I'm doing. And uh, I think that is a stupendous track. And again, it just didn't oh. do what it should have done. Um, yeah. So that's my favourite track from Dumb Waiters. I wow. think it was, uh, and it's a track that of yours that isn't played very much. That's right, yeah. What did you feel uh, about that? Listen to it again after all these years, or have you sort of regularly dropped in and had a peek? Well, uh, funnily enough, I've been rehearsing it recently for this, uh, for this tour, for this band, you know, that we've got, you know, a live band we're doing at the moment, and um, just that's one of the songs we've been rehearsing. So I have been re-familiarising myself with it in fact yeah i mean it was um it was one of those kind of uh throwing everything at it sort of kitchen sink type production because apart from absolutely loving the beatles the other thing we used to like when we first started doing the corgis with like um classic kind of 60s pop like phil Spector kind of thing yeah like big productions kitchen sink everything thrown in there kind of thing so i think that was our one of our, one of our attempts at doing one of those you know where the song is just sort of huge right from the beginning you know and and that's it all the way through it's like a wall of sound sort of thing yeah um i mean my only thing i would I, when i hear it now is i think that um i, I wish uh when we made that original recording we could have used um a real string section rather than uh, synthesizer strings which is what's on the track because there's something you, you just can't sort of improve on with, with real string no players. that's right yeah. um so i really wish we'd done that because you know to to me, that that would have sort of really made made the sound that we were looking for. But but at that time, we just wanted to sort of do it all ourselves, you know. So we had synthesizers instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it was uh, an interesting attempt to sort of uh, recreate a classic sort of pop sort of idiom. Yeah, and, and I think the way we do it on stage uh, is, you know, brings out even more of its uh, potential. So. Yeah. Well, you, you you're talking about um, you know obviously the latest tour and and re 
sort of relearning, I think, yeah. or, or it's, well, not rehearsing because you're relearning. I mean, you've written yeah. these songs a long time ago. They must yeah. either look like an old shirt that you can put on with ease, yeah, or there's something they want to take a book off the shelf. I don't know which analogy is better, <laughs> but the thing is, these are living, breathing things, yeah. and you've taken a long time for whatever reason, um, I, and that's none of my business. But the point is, you've taken a long time, but you've reinvigorated them with life. <laughs> Yeah. And you're bringing them to a new audience, and I think yeah. that's that's to be um, applauded and and remarked on in a very positive way. And I'm going to file that question back. What does it feel like when you bring this old song out? And you, although you know, in the memories, it was done that way. Mm. How does it feel when you're relearning it uh, and you're picking up the nuances again and the little guitar breaks and the chord changes? Do they come easy, or you know, does it sort of take a still a bit of a Rock and roll, hard sweat. <laughs> it does come easy, actually, because you know it, that is my kind of style. I think that that, that kind of pop writing, and I, I'm I'm actually really enjoying relearning all these songs and rehearsing them again with with the players that we have, you know, playing in the live band. Uh, it, it's really enjoyable because uh, for me that the, there isn't that much out there of sort of like celebrating pop songs. You know, when you go and see a band, you know. Uh, there, there's so many different genres that mm. uh, that people, you know, uh, the, the, around these days, mostly kind of, I suppose, influenced by, you know, the sort of R&B sort of thing. Uh, so, but I, I've, it's quite rare, I think, to come across people just doing a, a set of songs, which is kind of like a celebration of, like, pure pop, you know. Mm. And I, I really love that. And uh, so I, I'm glad to be doing that. I'm glad to be performing that, 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 that sort of stuff, which I, I think, you know, needs to be, performed again there's not enough of it out there i agree with you wholeheartedly now i'm going to ask one other question about time then we're going to come forward to the to 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 the new tour because i'm yeah as i say when you first hit the screens and came out with the corgis yeah you had this declassification between punk and new wave now you certainly weren't a punk band Mm. although you had the progressive influence of the late 60s with the prog rock yeah but you didn't in my mind fit exactly into new wave but you seem to have got christened into that and i think if we're going to do that not me personally but Mm. you know i think you are put to the articulate side of new wave Mm -hmm. rather than being just new wave yeah and i think Possibly the band was overshadowed by being caught between the two. That's just a theory that I've had, yeah. and um, uh, nothing has come my way to say that I was I, I am wrong in that theory. It mm. doesn't it doesn't take away any brilliance of the band, but do you not feel the same that you came in the trough and the peak between punk and new wave, and you, you sort of not filled a vacuum, but you filled a trough at the time where possibly they were waiting for something new as a total force in music you were just a great band that came in and had a some very very good records and some lovely hits but i think you know we're looking because we're looking through the mersey beat the motown the prog yeah. rock i think the country was probably looking for a major force of maybe half a dozen bands but yeah you know would you think that's possibly a good analogy it's very interesting very interesting thought i know for a fact that when we started recording that first corgi's album of the sort of uh, current contemporary sort of bands that were around, we, we, we really loved Blondie because yep. for us, you know, they had that wonderful kind of pop sensibility. The tunes were just immediately 
pop and accessible, but they had a, a kind of punk, a slightly sort of punky kind of edge to the way they, they did. did things. And I, I think that did influence us. I mean, some of the tracks on the first couple of Corgi's albums, I mean, for example, even on the Dumbwaiters album itself, there's a song called Dumbwaiters. There is. Which has that kind of edgy, kind of new wavy yeah. slash punk sensibility about it. So I think we flirted with those kind of idioms. You know, we, we did, you know, like... The, the sort of, you know, what, what they had to offer. But we knew that we were too kind of, I suppose, f- uh, thoroughly pop to sort of become completely, you know, yeah. uh, a new wave or a punk kind of uh, act. But, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm very, uh, it pleases me when I have these views, you know, all these years ago and I was just another punter, um, another record buyer, another person that became a yeah. fan. And now I'm sitting this side of the microphone interviewing people such as yourself. Yeah. And whether it's yourself or Deborah Bonham or or, or, or Lindisfarne or whatever, yeah, I, I always try to have a chat and put in what I felt all those years mm. ago. Yeah, why be- not? Yeah. Because, you know, I'm very honoured, and I say this, honoured to be proved that my thoughts weren't wrong. I'm not yeah. saying they were completely right, but they weren't wrong. I had these thoughts as a punter. Yeah. Um, and I still have these thoughts now, and it's nice to discuss with somebody such as yourself and you, although you've got your own individual take, it's not that different. Mm, indeed. And you're bringing this sound onto the new tour. So first of all, where can people find information, please? Well, there is Corgi's website, Corgi's Facebook page. There's my Facebook page. Yeah, it's best to hit all those. Right, so what's the best one? I mean, where are you actually going? Because I know you're going to Swint, Bristol pretty soon, aren't you? You're, you're going down uh, to Bristol Big Bristol. Bristol not until April, 27th April. of yeah. April. So but wh- the very first thing we're doing, we're playing in York. Uh, that's like, what is that? The 11th of, of March. Yep. And then followed by the 100 Club in London on the 15th of March. So those will be really good ones. And we're playing places like Cardiff yep. and um, Shoreham. There's a lovely art centre in There Shoreham. is. Shoreham's there. lovely. And, uh, yeah, and Bristol. Yeah, and so on. It, it's kind of you know, like an, an initial kind of pre-tour tour, if you like, you know, testing the water. And then hopefully, you know, we can have a, a lot more intensive touring after that but th- those are the first sort of bunch of how's it gone how's the how's the relearning process gone and the educating gone with the other members of the band it's great i've really enjoyed it because uh, the band is actually uh, consists of uh, an old friend of mine john baker who um was around just when we recorded the very first corgis album he was in a band called graduate in bath that later became tears for fears ah. and he's been a friend of mine ever since and he sort of got on board and became a kind of full-time member really of of the corgis in about in the sort of late 1980s and he's been there ever since so he's the longest sort of running uh, person that's uh, performing w- with us right now and then there's um, an old mate, of, uh, Australian mate of mine, Al Steele, that I've known since the late 80s. And he's uh, been great. He, he's org- organized lots of the sort of, you know, the, the musical side of things and the, and the technology side of things, because I'm not too up on that sort of stuff. But also we've got some brand new people that, you know, didn't, weren't around when, when we first did the Corgi stuff, younger people involved like backing singers and a, mm-hmm. a great sort of session drummer guy and, and and they're all they're all really loving it i'm glad to say you know it's, it's like a breath of fresh air 
for them, you know, to be doing something just mm-hmm. pure pop like this. So, so we're all having a really good time. It's been good fun, yeah. Uh, that leads me to another question. Here you are, you've got these two or three, and I'll put yourself in that uh, idiom of the Grand Masters, because you know the sound, you know what the corgis were like, and you've got yeah. these people that were there and thereabouts. Yeah. I mean, tears for fears. I mean, are we still running for the world? Are we still going to rule the world, you know? I mean, <laughs> we're looking. And yet you've got the new people coming in. Yeah. How's that fusion gone? I mean, do the new people pick up on the Corgis sound very easily? Um, You know, are they conversant with the sound before they join you? Or is it a quick bit of research and two or three hours down by the CD player listening to some of the stuff? (laughs) You know, because you've got to pick it up somewhere, haven't you? You have, yeah. No, it's definitely definitely the the latter, you know, that they weren't that, I mean, apart from songs like Everybody's Got to Learn Sometime or If I Had You, they, they weren't really familiar with, with, with the kind of stuff, you know, that the Corgis did. So, um, yeah, so my friend I've met, that I've mentioned, Al Steele, my Australian mate who lead guitarist was in the band, he, he, he sort of made sure he got, he got together with all the newcomers and sort of, you know, went, rehearsed with them, went through all the, all the stuff. And then, you know, the, 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 the whole band of us got together after he'd done those initial sort of familiarizing sessions but but no so you know in really the, the newcomers weren't really that familiar with, with the corgis apart from you know the, the couple of hits so it was a new thing for them but as i say I, everyone just seems to have uh, taken and lapped up the, 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 the sort of you know the pop element to, of what we're doing and, and are really enjoying it so so it's like a breath of fresh air to work with people that are so enthusiastic you know and you know, are not stale at all. It's all like fresh and new for them, and and they're really enjoying it. So it's it's it's, it's a thrill. Well, I'd like to give you an, well, me personally, another thrill because well, what I'd like to do now is first of all just check that you're okay for time. If you've got a dash, then obviously you must go, and I don't want to cut in I've too got, much. I've got a bit longer. What, what is Lovely. That's right. Great. That's what I, that's what I <laughs> hoped you'd say. That's what I'd hoped you say. <laughs> I'm now going to play an album track. Yeah. Um, pure in my mind, commercial pop. I don't think it was released as a single. Right. But every time I hear it, I think, yeah, that would be a fantastic single. Oh. And um, I don't know whether you've got chances of getting another record deal or recording deal. We'll talk about that in a minute, if possible. Mm. But um, this track, again, always loved it. I believe, once again, it's on Dumb Waiters for My Sins. Um, that is your Sgt. Pepper, I think. That's your best... That's my personal feeling. That's your best album as a band yeah. um, because of the commercial connotations and, and, right. the, and the spread. This track was on it. And I, I just think, yeah, wow, what a great track. So please, sit back and listen to It's No Good Unless You Love Me. Please forgive me, James. I know you're going to say that's drawn and quartered. The CD, the, the machine played wrong. So I, I apologise for that, but I still think that's a great track. Now, to me, that is a, a, um, an album track, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's got that harsher sound to what you were doing. It's got the, the more vibrant bass and it's it's got a more powerful vocal. I still think it's a great song. Um, so please forgive me that I wasn't going to be I wasn't going to come in and say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake. I thought I'll be professional. I'll just carry on, you know. <laughs> and it's great to talk to you. But I think now we have got the track that I was on about. OK. And uh, let's have a listen. Let's hopefully yeah. this time we get it right. Yeah. And we have. Sound of the Corgis, listening in with James Warren. And it's no good 
unless you love me. Well, as I said, there's the corgis and it's no good unless you love me. Now, I hope I'm not going to be looked on as being unprofessional, but I don't think that was a single. Was that right, James? It was not. You're correct. I think it's a fabulous track. Hopefully, if you get a recording contract or have got one, you'd push that out as a single now because I think it would go. Ah, interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I I always thought it had uh, a single potential as well. I I don't know why we didn't get around to uh, releasing it at the time, but... Yeah. No, I think, you see, I, I know CDs are multifaceted now, but, you know, I look at the CD as an old-fashioned EP because an old-fashioned EP, you got four tracks. So, therefore, with the CD, I think, you know, looking at that, I think that would make a great track um, with if, if it's all right with your baby and possibly, you know, if I had you. I think that, yeah. I think there's a lot of mileage in that, and I hopefully when you finish this conversation, you would consider it because it's certainly not a plant, but it's just something. I think that is a fantastic commercial orientated pop track and yet it's only an album track yeah that's right yeah. most yeah. unusual Interesting. Right. so how's the how's the sort of so are you really looking forward to getting it in front of an audience again and and showcasing these hits and the gorgies itself themselves oh undoubtedly undoubtedly yeah i don't know if you know uh, recently i i recorded a, a solo album called innocent bystander i do now <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must check it out it, it's i will do the, um, on the Angel Air record label, and um, it, I, I was toying with the idea of releasing it as a Corgis, uh, you know, as the Corgis, really. But in the end, we I went, went for my own name, James Warren, Innocent Bystander. But it's full of songs that could be Corgis songs. If, if you if you give it a listen, I'm sure you'll know what I mean. I will check it um, out, and I will obtain a copy. Yeah, do please, because um, that's one of the other things which uh, is fun about rehearsing for this tour is that we're going to be doing quite a few tracks from that album as well so it's more you know up-to-date sort of uh, stuff that i've come up with as well as, as, as the sort of o- older things so uh it's great to be able to sort of you know do a show which uh, comprises everything like from the very first corgis tracks right up to the you know most recent stuff that i've written so the album's called innocent bystander innocent bystander uh, under just under james warren yeah. and, it, and it's on angel air records it's on the angel air label yeah i will dig it out and uh, you've had another it's plug. Full of pop, full of pop great stuff, so you might like it now is there any chance of getting some corgis stuff this older stuff back out there again i don't know i mean uh as, as you as you well know that the business has just changed incredibly since uh, the corgis first started doing stuff and um, I, I'm not sure, really, if there'd be... I think it'd be very difficult, really, to get um, record companies interested in promoting someone such as myself, you know, who's in their yeah. middle-age, you know, category. Um, it's not sort of the kind of thing that they can be bothered to promote anymore. So, um, Which is a shame. So, so I'm not thinking of, of, of record releases right now, but, you know, one thing at a time, we'll, we'll, we'll start sort of touring properly, you know, and if that creates a demand, then, then who knows what might happen. Well, ideas, ideas stick in the back of your head. So, um, yeah. you know, I've got the idea stuck there. Maybe we can talk about it again. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you, now this is like the pre-tour, you say. So hopefully you do plan to come round again sort of later in the year uh, right. and tread the boards again and maybe pay us a visit in Norwich. Yeah, it'd be lovely. Love to. Yeah. Have you played Norwich ever? 
Yeah, in, in Stackridge we did, yeah. Oh, did you? That really was going venue, back. I but I know we went to Norwich a couple of times. Well, it's changed a lot since then, as I'm sure you know, but uh, I th- would think that you would have a great night. I mean, we've got some nice theatres here, the Princess great. Royal, the, the, the Playhouse, and various other bits and pieces. And to say, yeah. we have the, um, Billy and uh, Ray from the Lindisfarne story coming down uh, oh, in a couple great. of weeks. Yeah. And um, I met them when they came down here last, and we had a lovely session with them, rather like we're having with your good self, but they actually came into the studio, and we had two hours super. with them. Wow. It was super, super session. And uh, they're coming back in March, uh, March, so I shall pop along to see them. Yeah. But, and I hope that uh, I could get the chance to see your great band live, because yeah, I think... Yeah, love to. As, and like, obviously to meet you on the night for the simple reason is I think as an experience having been associated with your tracks for all these years yeah. to actually see them live with, with, with the light effects and everything else that is happening mm-hmm. um, I think it must be a real sort of collage of a wonderful experience and an, and an occasion I hope so yeah. Well, um, I know that you've got to go. I'm awfully sorry to have taken up 40-odd minutes no, of your time. it's been really enjoyable. I hope you have enjoyed it. Now, yeah. um, I'd like to play another track before we say our goodbyes. Do. You did mention it, so I think we've got to play it because this was one of those tracks that did become a big hit for you. Um, you've mentioned it two or three times, and I know that it got into the high charts. And I think we'll talk about it afterwards because I do think you've got some TV mileage and, and appearances out of it but let's li- let's listen to everybody's got to learn sometime a most haunting track i think a beautiful sound from the corgis everybody's got to learn sometime and hopefully i've learned a lot from you today james did you enjoy listening to that track yeah of course yeah yeah, so that was a big hit for you. Well, a fairly big hit, wasn't it? It was the biggest. It yeah. was it? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, it, you, 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 did you perform it on television? Did you go back on Top of the Pops? Or did, you, did some other mileage come out of it? Or was it just sort of hit on sales alone through radio play? Well, it, funnily enough, it was the, the early days of pop videos. And we just, we just made a video for it. And the week it was due to be shown on Top of the Pops, they had a strike. And so the program was, was axed that week. Um, and the following week, it, it slipped down the charts a couple of places. So we'd lost our chance to have it actually promoted on TV. Uh, so that, that, was, uh, that was that. But, um, but it, was, it was very successful in Europe. Um, uh, in a couple of countries, it was number one, like Spain, I think, and France and so on. And generally in Europe, it was, it was, it was a big one. Um, so, so the video was, would have been played in European countries. And, and indeed, we went over there and sort of appeared on TV, you know, sort of miming to, to yep. the song and so on. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot of mileage out of that one. Well, you may get some more mileage out of this than you understand. I have a colleague of mine in New York. Um, yeah. By the name lady by the name of Carol Miller, yeah, and she will re- will be receiving this interview. Oh, and she will promote it in New York for us. Oh, fantastic! And it will come back to us on SoundCloud. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. So I don't know if you'd like to say a quick hello to Carol. You probably never met, but I always say to Carol, "Hi, Carol," and I think James is going to say hello as well. Are you not? Hi, Carol. Yeah, I- I'm so glad you're, you're going to be. Uh listening to this interview and 
I'll tell you something, I'd absolutely love to come and perform in the United States. So you never know, one day. Well, if that ever happens, James, because I've done it, you'll have to take me with you. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, Carol's lovely. She's a great supporter of what we do in America. Oh, and she and she does, she gives us all all, all the promotion that she can. Yeah. And um, so I just thought you'd like to know, yes, this interview will go out to, uh, to America. She'll get the copy over the weekend and then she'll promote it. And then what she does for copyright, she has to take the music out because American copyright law yeah. but she leaves about 20 seconds in and then she truncates it down puts yeah. it back onto soundcloud and it comes back uh-huh. um then it goes to america canada australia and yeah. all, all, the, all, all the syndication parts that she's in mm. so uh yes um you know carol does what she can for us and i'm very proud to be uh, yeah. a colleague of hers but now um you through dave gave me a track out called something about the beatles now tell us a little bit of a story about that before we have to close, please, because I'd like to play out with that track. Oh, good one. Um, yeah. What was the story about that track? Oh, well, uh, the story was, um, at the time, this would have been like, I don't know, what would it have been, late 1980s, something like that, uh, maybe early 1990s. Uh, I, I was recording a solo album, which uh, came out on the Angel Air label, and it was called Jim's Easy Listening Album. I think that was it. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. I'm just sort of trying to remember now. Yeah. And anyway, I, I was just sort of in, in major kind of songwriting mode. And um, one day I was writing with my songwriting partner at the time, and it, it felt a bit kind of stuck, didn't seem to be getting anywhere. And um, and she said, you know, well, w- w- why don't you write um, about something, you know, you really sort of know and love, or, you know, w- w- what, what, what do you know, what do you really know about? And then I just said, you know, well, I mean, I, I know something about the Beatles. And I think she said, well, that's a great title. Let's, let's write a song called that. And, and so that was that. So the song actually came out of, uh, of the title phrase, you know. And um, and then soon, I, you know, I, I was sort of strumming on the guitar and, and the, the melody and the chords came out and, and the words flowed quite easily from, from that title. So it was... Uh, I love yeah. the video. I love the video for it. Ah, good. Yeah. Very cavernesque at places. Yeah, um, deliberately, yeah. yeah I, I, I yeah. guess that. But let's have a little listen because I'd like to say goodbyes afterwards, but we'll listen to yep. a little bit of uh, something about the Beatles. And it is listed for the Corgis, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. Well, we'll leave it playing in the background, but you've still got that corgi sound, haven't you, James? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very, very good. Well, can I say, first of all, James, as we're sort of talking over this track, which is a crime in itself, but there you go, um, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Uh, the 20 minutes has gone to 57 minutes. And oh, wow, I'm, has it really? Yes. Brilliant. I'm very pleased when that happens because... Mm. Um, you know, your time is precious. You're out working the boards, you're out rehearsing, you've got commitments. You know, most people say, well, you know, we'll give you 20 minutes or so. That's absolutely brilliant, and I'll take the 20 minutes and be very happy. But when somebody such as yourself sort of sits there, talks and interacts, it comes out so wonderful that I'm very pleased. So can I just oh. say, on behalf of everybody here at Future Radio 107.8 and Swindon 105.5, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me very much. And I look forward to meeting you, hopefully on tour in the not-too-distant future. Yes. Well, there we, there we go, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, that is James, and our time is out. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. That was Nigel Pierce speaking with James Warren from the Corgis on tour in the UK. There's going to be a special program on the Corgis this Sunday, March 3rd, at 3 p.m. GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. And you can hear it on futureradio.co.uk. 
That's futureradio, one word, dot C-O dot U-K. This is Carol Miller. See you next time on our podcast, UK Radio.